Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 130 of the show with uh, nutritionist, author, advocate for happiness, Lola Berry. She's on Twitter at yummo, two M's, L-O-L-A-B-E-R-R-Y, yummo Lola Berry, L-O-L-A, as in the song. <laughs> More about her in a moment, and I'll spell it again in a second. This episode is brought to you by the many, so many wonderful listeners who have all supported the show through patreon.com slash Osher. I say it every week, but um, and I know everybody's been very, very generous, but the podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. And I'm very, very grateful to the people who have given their hard-earned money and pledged hard-earned money every month to help me bring a new show every Monday. If you pledge... You can pledge anything you want. If you can't afford, please don't. But if you can afford, uh, you can pledge uh, for as little as five bucks a month. You can get access to exclusive episodes and there's bigger rewards for uh, for bigger patrons. Like I said, if you can't afford it, don't do it. But if you can and you feel like giving back, I'd appreciate it very much. I use the money to hire an audio producer, Andy Ma, who's uh, he and I have worked together for a long time. We may take 40 together. And uh, I'm also looking to hire a show producer soon who's going to help me, hopefully, with organizing and coordinating guests, which is uh, becoming a, a bit tricky, but that's all good. You can always email me, send Osher email at gmail.com or, or one word. I read everything. I uh, try and write back to everything. That's the best way to get to me. I don't really spend any time on Facebook at all lately. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You know where I am uh, to check in. This week, probably like many of you, probably like many of you, I was completely devastated at the passing of Prince. Probably the greatest ever writer, producer, performer, musician that has lived during our lifetime. 
I mean, the man could... He was a businessman. He was a director. He was a producer. He was a writer. He could own a stage and goddamn, he could dance and holy shit could he play guitar. Um, and he died at the age of 57. There was a time in the, uh, the early 80s when Michael Jackson, basically, and, you know, I talk about this a bit, Michael Jackson would go into the studio, Columbia Records, with Quincy Jones, the greatest, you know, musical producer on the planet at the time, and all of the might of Columbia Records behind him and the greatest session players that money could buy and they'd spend months in there with all of them and they'd come out with Off the Wall or Thriller. Prince was signed to Warner Brothers at the age of 18, given complete creative control, youngest artist ever to be given complete creative control by Warner Brothers. Prince would walk into the studio alone and he would walk out of the studio alone and he would go head to head with Michael Jackson in the charts. First song I think I ever heard on FM radio when I figured out how to use my dad's stereo back in the 80s was actually on Take 40 Australia, funnily enough. A show I ended up hosting years later. But it was Let's Go Crazy. And the back announce, um, pretty sure it was Barry Bissell, back announced it and said, oh, that was Prince, Let's Go Crazy. Um, and, you know, back in the day, they would segue out of FM radio songs. That was Prince, Let's Go Crazy. He went crazy in Minneapolis last night. You know, they would do that. Uh, and it was the first time I heard that Barry basically talked about that Prince played a show to a stadium and then went to First Avenue, his nightclub, and went on stage at 1.30 in the morning and played till 5. And, like, for me, I was, I don't know, 9. And I was like, oh, my God, how can anyone stay awake that long? But I, I heard about this gig, this after-party gig. I saw Prince the first time in 1992, and I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it ruined every band that I ever saw after that. Until in 2003, I saw Prince again. I saw him both nights in a row at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. And then uh, my friend Grant and I somehow snuck into the basement, which is a jazz club in Sydney. Low roof, probably about seven, eight feet high. It was about f places, a capacity of maybe 250. There was 400 people in there. Prince went on stage at 1.30. And yeah, played till three. Said, we'll be right back. 15 minutes later, they were right back. And they played until 4.30 or 5 in the morning. After the gig, grown men were just hugging each other. They could not quite believe what they had just seen. Maceo Parker on saxophone, Larry Graham on bass. It was the greatest, greatest thing I've ever seen. And yeah, every gig I've seen after that is just like, well, you're not Prince, are you? <laughs> and I've seen some bands. Um... A couple of years later, I had the good fortune to see Prince again in Las Vegas uh, at the Rio Hotel. The uh, first season of Australian Idol, there were two, a pair of twins, uh, Maya and Nandy. Uh, they ended up singing backing vocals for Prince. And uh, through them, we managed to get backstage. And 
we were at the after party again. Prince was playing again, and he walked off stage with the guitar, and he uh, turned to my ex-wife, and he said, "What are you gonna sing?" You know, she's you know looks like a pop star, and she was flabbergasted. And then he turned to me, and I said, "Hi." And he reached out his hand to shake my hand. And I shook his hand and all I could say was, thank you. It's all I could muster. And he just kind of wandered off, went back on stage and started ripping. <laughs> and the two of us just went there going, what just happened? <laughs> you know, I wonder if any artist will ever be that good again. Now that, I mean, he taught himself how to play everything as a teenager. Drums, bass, guitar, piano, how to record, how to use all the equipment. And I wonder if in this age of phones taking up every spare moment of our boredom, if anyone will ever be that focused ever again. Also to learn how to dance like that. He was the truest artist, in my opinion. The truest, truest pop artist in, at the highest level of pop music charts. He just said completely, fuck it, I'll do what I want. Now, you've got to remember, I think within three months of each other, Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Prince were born. But Michael Jackson and Madonna were always in the habit of hiring producers that were already successful in the charts to try and create something that was relevant at the time. Madonna, bless her, love her, would if she asked, um, has been for a while now chasing the trend. Prince was always like, no, this is what's happening. And you'll follow me. He died as he lived in his studio. So if any of us can take anything today, it's uh, get focused. And uh, if you are going to collapse, make sure it's doing something you love. <laughs> it's a tall order, but you know, I'll try and give it a shot. I might play some prints at the end of the show. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Thanks to everybody that came to Story Club last night. Story Club is a uh, an institution in Sydney. It happens every mon Monday, I think. First Monday of every month in Sydney at the Giant Dwarf Theatre, the Chaser Theatre in Sydney. Uh, to even be associated with the Chaser in a small way is an absolute dream come true for me. Uh, but I did. I told you about this gig last week. There's a couple of people that listened to the show that came along. Thank you very, very much. A few people reached out, let me know they were there. Uh, I ended up telling a story about the day I lost my mind. Uh, which is basically, you know, about the day that I went fucking crazy and nearly ended up permanently so if it weren't for some great doctors and some greater meds. <laughs> it was lovely to be a part of such a, a, a great ensemble of storytellers, all of whom are extremely talented. And uh, after the gig, Audrey and I went to another Sydney institution, Golden Century. Mate, I tell you, uh, Golden Century has the greatest salt and pepper tofu in all of the land. There is no question about that. Yeah, it was really good. The other thing I like about Golden Century is that there's these huge tables, like 12-seater round, 15, 16-seater round tables with massive lazy Susans in the middle of them. And you look across and there's like six heavy-duty Middle Eastern-looking dudes with gold chains and bum bags around their shoulders and eight like super skinny, manga hair, uh, you know, heavy-duty uh, you know, very well-dressed but dangerous-looking uh, Chinese guys. And they're all laughing. And you're like, 
I don't really want to know what you're laughing about, but <laughs> clearly business is good. <laughs> it's the bum bags that give it away, I think. Uh, but it's great. If you're ever in Sydney, I highly recommend it. Man, the two, braised two mushrooms is just so freaking good there. Let me tell you about my guest today. I'm very, very happy to welcome to the show uh, Lola Berry. She's often called Australia's greatest nutritionist or Australia's favorite nutritionist. She's a, a nutritionist. She's an author, a blogger, a speaker, and an advocate for happiness. She even wrote a book about happiness. And she wrote five other books as well. You can buy them wherever you buy books. She's very, very popular. She's a woman who has inspired hundreds of thousands of people all around the world to be kinder and caring and more caring to themselves through food and through nourishment, not just of their bodies, but of themselves as a whole. Now, Lola has, and I'm sure you can get this if you follow her at all, Lola has a beautiful, warm, glowing energy that swept into my home with a gift basket of vegan goodies under one arm and a smile that would make the clouds part on a rainy day. She shoved the box into my hands, smooshed my dog Frankie, and uh, then she and I sat down and we had a, a frank, honest, uh, truly wonderful conversation about taking risks about success, about failure, about food, and about persistence. A bit of a trigger warning uh, right at the top of the show here. Uh, sexual assault is a part of Lola's story. She's talked about it before. She talks about it today. Now, if you are at all triggered about this as a topic, I completely understand. When you do hear us starting to bring it up, flick forward. I think it's about seven minutes, and you'll arrive safe on the other side while I was talking about smoothies. You can find Lola anywhere you like. Uh, if you pick up your phone, she's uh, at... Y-U-M-M-O-L-O-L-A-B-E-R-R-R-Y. Yummo Lola Berry. Her Snapchat's pretty great. I recommend it. So enjoy this. It's a deep, honest, and nourishing chat with the wonderful Lola Berry. Oh, so hi. Hi. Welcome to my house, Lola. I love it. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, happy to be here. It's been a while. I've wanted to have you here for quite some time. Quite some Perfect time. From when time Mel Nahas told me about you. Really? Yeah. That's ages ago. Yeah. I've yeah. known I've known Mel. I've known Mel since she was since she was sixteen. Yeah. Yonks. Well I'm old, right? So. No. Forty two. Forty two. I've just turned thirty and I feel like I'm old now. Thirty oh, <laughs> is when everything gets Awesome. That's what everyone says to me. Thirties when everything gets awesome. Yes. Thirties when you just go, oh really? Oh okay. All right. Well, I don't give a shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. You upset about what again? Oh, yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. Just relax. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But you've brought me such. I didn't. And now I just wanted you to come over here. You're a very busy woman. You're a successful entrepreneur. You've written six books. You've got bloody all kinds of things, and you've brought me a big box full of yummy. Wonderful things. I have a weird obsession with making hampers. Like I love making hampers. That's okay. Some people have obsessions with feet. <laughs> so I made you a hamper. Oh my god! <laughs> and you know we're traveling tomorrow, so plain oh, snacks. Snacks, raw chockey. You're laughing. Snacks. Oh my god, Gigi will be thrilled. Yeah. Gigi will be so thrilled. Did you? Are you from Sydney? I'm from Melbourne. So oh. I've been living in Sydney for two years now and I love it. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I've only just got back. I got back in November. I was in Los Angeles. It's 
lovely. Ah, lovely to be back. I love the nature here. I like the pace. I feel like the pace is a little bit different to Melbourne. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like it feels like there's a nice little energy here. There is a lot of nature here. People don't quite realise how much oh. bush is like around the corner. I've heard about this walk, the figure eight walk or something. That's meant to be phenomenal. I really want to do it. I think it's about half an hour hour away, but it's meant to be like you're walking amongst rock pools. What? Yeah. I'm planning on doing it really soon. I'm hoping to. Whoa. (laughs) I I just know that I rode my bicycle around Kuringai National Park, which is north. Yeah. It's kind of uh, where Palm Beach is, where Home and Away is. Yeah. There's the the water in between and then there's West Head, which is the the national park in there. And there's all these extraordinary little tributaries and – Beaches where there's, you know, the the harbour, the end of the Hawkesbury basically comes up onto the you know, beaches right there. It's kangaroos oh, on the beaches. Oh, I got to check. check it out. Hey. My favourite word in the entire world is biophilia, which means healing power of Mother Nature. So any time I'm like stressing out, I'm just like, get me to nature, get me to nature. Yeah. Hence, we are very close to nature here. Yeah. And there was some nature going past this morning. There was some dolphins going past the house this morning, which is, <gasps> and in whale season, you just see them. Oh, I love whales if so you, much. Do you walk this the, the walk yeah, over I here? Yeah, I love this walk. Have you seen the carvings along the wall? No. Holy moly. Okay, so next time you're walking from Bondi south yep. to – it's right before Mackenzie's Bay. So just on the other side of the headland, all right, yep, 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 look yep. on the left-hand side. Uh, <laughs> so as you're walking around and you'll see just as, just as Mackenzie's is starting to come yep. into view, which is occasionally has a beach but it's normally just rocks, all right, look on the left, there's a – there's a rocky outcrop about uh, about the size of that couch. Yeah. All right? And there's a carving of a whale. All right? It's huge. It's about okay. 10, 12 feet okay. wide. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm All right? It. <laughs> and if you walk a little further, it basically tells the story of, of, of the name. I can't remember the name. I wish I could. But the, the, basically the story is that the whale um, brought everyone uh, in oh, – no, no, all the animals and plant – all the animals uh, stole the whale's canoe – to get over to Australia. And so all the ko- I think the koala stole the whale's canoe and pulled all his friends in it and they used the whale's canoe to come over here. And the whale's like, uh, are they, one of the, the whale was chasing him and his whale was very angry and one of them threw a spear and put a hole in his head. And so he, now he blows <gasps> air through his head. Oh, wow. And that's why when he's migrating, the whale, he's, not, he's looking for his canoe. Really? Oh, I like this story. Up and down there. I've got a thing for... Aboriginal uh, Dreamtime yeah. legends. I think it's, wow. it's freaking brilliant. But yeah, it's right here. And there's more rocks up the North Bondi in the golf course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's carvings up there. I'm going to walk all... away with a list of things to do. Mate, after it's it's this. all over the place. And that's <laughs> so the thing, good. you know, so many, so many people, you know, they make such a fuss about, you know, immigrants this and immigrants that and boat people this and boat people. Mate, we're all fucking boat people. At the end of the day, you don't have to walk yeah. very far to see that we are not the first yeah. people here. Yes. yes, you know, and there was an entirely perfectly wonderful culture that existed oh. in extraordinary harmony with the environment. Oh, 100%. I was earlier this year, oh, no, last year, I went to Ez Rock and all the route. And, oh, I burst into tears the first time I saw it. Oh, I like, asked permission before I touched, and, it, and I just sat there. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy, and I wanted. Same with the whole biophilia thing. I believe in earthing where you put your feet and mm. hands in, in nature and I whipped my shoes off and I was just standing there like meditating in the red yeah. soil. And I don't know, for me it just feels quite magical. It makes you realise that you're a very small piece of an awesome puzzle. 
kind of thing. Well, oh, yeah, that's yeah. What's kind of why I'm wearing this shirt. I've seen this on your Snapchat today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm basically, I'm wearing a shirt, which is the map of the galaxy that we are in. Uh, I think it's got, I don't know, a billion galaxies yep. in it. It's the, yep. big, the larger galaxy that we're a part of. And we're the outer spiral arm of this, and we're just a speck on a speck on a speck. <laughs> and it says you are here. Yeah, we are. We're a tiny, <laughs> tiny, itty-bitty little thing. Oh, you know what I'll show you? I'll show you this gift. This will blow your mind. I sent it to Stav, who I do radio with this morning, just to throw a bit more perspective on what we're actually yeah. doing here right now. Uh, this is a horizontal rendering of the travel that we are doing right now. All right, that's the sun. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Okay. So the sun is hurtling through space at like a million miles it's a minute or something. Yeah, all right? whatever. And we are one of those. <gasps> we're the Things third one out. Spiral, spiral, spiraling yeah. around we're constantly. We're one of the third ones. It makes you realise how, yeah, how yeah. small we really are. Tiny. And yet at- our brains make us think, no, I am the most important thing yeah, true. ever. It's ama- it makes me realise how lucky I am to kind of be living this life and to I feel like super lucky to even be doing what I love doing. Like mm. I believe I'm like a big yogi so I believe in like living from the heart, living your truth and I know when you don't do that it's really kind of easy to forget about the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. I think. So what part of Melbourne did you grow up in? Uh, I was born in like Essendon Nidri Way but I grew up in like Middle Park, Albert Park. So uh, I don't know west what that is. to south. Oh, Albert Parks is where they have the, the Grand Prix. Yes, well done. Yeah. But basically Port, like near Port Melbourne Beach and all that kind of thing. Right. But it was cool. It's funny. Melbourne doesn't feel like home to me. Like I love going back and I mm. go there a lot and I love being there. But I don't, I'm not like, yeah, I'm back home. I mm. love it. But I don't feel like it's, yeah. I feel like I'm a bit of a gypsy at the moment. What did your folks do? My dad's a vet. So hence why I have an obsession with animals as well. And my mum's a nurse. Right. Did yeah. they meet? At uh, medical school? I don't actually know. I should ask. I have no idea. Really? Yeah. My folks met at a house party in Stoke. I reckon it'd be something along those in lines. Stoke on Trent. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But um, my my yeah. dad, like, every time I go to Melbourne, I stay with dad because he's still got the vet clinic and his house is on top. Mm. So I literally stay in my old room and every day I'll, like, walk through the vet clinic and see what animals they've got. So that's what I love. You hear, the, you hear the dogs that are overnight howling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I kind of like, I know I love going down and like. Oh, no, no, it's fine, yeah. Chilling with them. Wow. So a domestic uh, vet, so domestic yeah, animals. Yeah, used to be an equine vet though, so used oh, to be wow. horses. But now, which is, I reckon he's got too, too much of a bigger heart to work with horses because I know that a lot of them have to be put down. Although there's this amazing place in Melbourne where they take racehorses, ex-race horses, and they look after them, and oh, yeah. yeah, there's some really awesome rescue places for yeah. horses in Melbourne because racing is very. Big. It is a t- it is a tough one the uh, the euthanasia for for, for horses, and, and yeah. certainly in e- certainly in equine um, yeah. veterinary practice, there's a, often a lot of money on the table. Certainly, if they're racehorses or if they're some yeah. sort of uh, you know stud kind of bloodline. Horses are one of my favourite animals, though. They yeah. say spiritually they represent freedom uh-huh. and they say they can read your heart. When I was in Melbourne last week, I was hanging out with this girl and it's equine therapy has been used for, like, rehabilitation mm. and all this awesome stuff. And they're amazing. Like, I love how – apparently, I didn't know this, if you're near a horse and you sit on the ground, like, in front of it, it sees you as less of a threat and it will come over to you and it was like – it was like having a dog, like, nuzzling into all over me. It was amazing. It's really cool. I'll show you. Let me. Oh, I can't show photos as a podcast. <laughs> but I'll show you photos. Like Audrey and I were looking uh, at wedding venues the other day, yeah. and um, one of the things I never realised about my now fiance is that at one stage in her life she was a jackaroo. Really? Yeah, really. 
And <laughs> so we were driving through this paddock because the place we're looking at is, you know, down a track, off a track, up a track, over mm-hmm. a hill, around a corner. And so we had to come back around a corner, down a hill, off a track, around a track, blah, blah. And uh, there was a horse in his paddock. She goes, oh, I have to go and say hello. And so she went over and she stood with her face down, with her eyes at her feet and her arms down by her side. And she just, with this really submissive body language, and she just waited and she waited. And this mare came over and kind of sniffed her hand at first and then kind of nudged her elbow a bit and then Audrey lifted her. And obviously, like, Audrey's got the skills of yeah. how you approach a horse you don't know if it's been broken or not. Yeah, like, she totally – it's not like, oh, pretty horses. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is a horse out in a paddock somewhere yeah. far away. I have no idea what this yeah. horse is up to. Uh, and it was wild watching how, yeah, she's magical horse whisperer. Oh, there's this – Audrey would love this documentary. It's called This Way of Life mm. and it's about a horse whisperer that lives in New Zealand and he his family live off the land and in the, in the trailer they go, what do you do? Because the doco on his life yeah. and the struggles they face trying to kind of almost live a bit off the grid. Mm. And they say, what do you do for a living? And he goes, what do I do for a living? He goes, I live for a living. I love it. Yeah, honestly, you guys should watch that. Yeah. Wow, Gigi would love it. Gigi loves horses. Oh, Oh they're the best. So when you grew up uh, as a kid, so you got parents who are, I guess they're coming from a scientific background. Yeah. All right, so both my folks are doctors as well, So, but they've been brought up on the scientific method. They're Mm -hmm. like, okay, so evidence-based, this Mm -hmm. is a, you know, thing for that, thing for that. So was nutrition a part of that when you were a kid? Uh, Mum sent me to school with like homemade spirulina protein balls. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so, uh, you want a salt lunch? No. <laughs> but honestly, I knew nothing different. Like yeah. a dried apricot was a treat for me. That said, apparently I was like the eater of the family. I had no idea. Mum said like when I go to kids' parties, I would always be the one left eating when it, the other kids be with playing with the pinata and stuff like that. Yeah. They tell this famous story of my first ever boyfriend. Apparently I went to his place for dinner and I just was being polite, had seconds, didn't think anything of it. And the father of the boy opened the door and answered the door and said, she's an eater. So, like, obviously (laughs) I've been more obsessed with food than... Um, and then the nutrition stuff I think came is just like I started to realise how good you can feel when you really nourish your body. Homemade spirulina balls. So your mum as a nurse, what had had she made the connection between health and nutrition yeah, already? Yeah, mum's always, yeah. ever since I can remember, she's always been onto it and yeah. she's always looked after herself. She modelled when she was younger. So she's always, for I think many reasons, just always really cared about the way that she feeds her body. Yeah, yeah. So when kids came over to your house, they kind of look at all the food they were given and go, what is that? She'd often bend the rules when people came over oh, and God. she'd have this like secret stash of like bad things and I'd be like, I don't see these when I'm alone. But, um, yeah, no, she was, she was awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was really awesome with food, yeah. Wow. And yeah. so when you were a, when you were a kid um, and then, you know, you start exploring, start going out with friends, when you're at the food court at the mall or whatever, do you go, oh, I might see what... I want to see what Donut King's like. Like, was it that kind of thing? I've heard the stories of kids that have had those really healthy upbringings that go nuts when they turn, like, into their teens. Honestly, I, like, it was never it was never deprived of us, so I never felt like on every Sunday night was junk food night, so um, normally we'd go out and get McDonald's and I would always say, Mum, can I just stay home and have tofu soba noodle soup with you? So I just came to really like and prefer mm. eating good food and if I ever ate McDonald's I'd just get fillet of fish because I thought it was the healthiest. Like, I don't know. I just, I've never really felt like I was deprived. Isn't it interesting? I've been living in the States for a long time. I was only just got back like five months ago and they call it fast food there. But I do remember we always called it junk food. Yeah. Because it's freaking junk. junk. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's totally junk. 
We always used to call it junk food. Yeah, yeah. they do call it fast food there. You're right. Because it's what it is for them. It's fast. Yeah. But it's terrible. I just figure I know if I put junk in my body, I'm going to feel like junk. If I put like real nourishing food in my body, I'm going to feel like I've got good energy, good vitality, and I'm putting forward the best version of myself. When did you get? When did you make that switch? Make that connection? Oh, I was totally not healthy at a stage. So when I was 18, I decided to, I want to be a DJ. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> what gave you the idea of like, you know, what? I want to do that. <laughs> Um, Were you after, always musical? Uh, after uni, um, I, I went straight – after school I went straight into a Bachelor of Performing Arts and doing drama and theatre. Right? And I remember one of the teachers, like 95% of you are going to be drama teachers in this room and I just thought, wow, I don't, that doesn't feel like the right fit for me. And I'd started um, getting into fashion and done a makeup artist course on the side and one thing led to another and I was like, oh, see, I pulled out of my, my course – to my dad's dismay, he was like, please, please one day study again. I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Started Which, which drama school? Was it a tough one? It was um, Monash, of, Monash Bachelor of Performing Arts. Okay. It was like a bachelor. It wasn't nasty, too nasty. Oh, it's not like NIDA or Walker. No, or... I didn't get into any. I auditioned for them all. I didn't get into any of them. Total drama reject. Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, and then, I, yeah, I just started DJing like they'd always put me in the side room and I'd play like 90s and party tunes and it was fun but I never felt like my heart was in it. Like Records I really or enjoyed CDs? It. Both. Hey. Yeah. What was your DJ name? Oh, my goodness. So, so my real name is Lauren, Lauren Smith, and so I called myself. I had this really cool 80s jumper of mums from the 80s and it said heaven. It was peach colour and it said heaven across it in white so I called myself Lauren Heaven, which now that I think about it is probably more of a porn star name but. It's a pretty good DJ name. It, that was my DJ name. Now, uh, those kind of when you're in the side rooms at a big dance party, yeah. it's pretty much, yeah, we'll give you 50 bucks and you can bring three friends. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah. you really kind of just do it for the scene, don't yes, you? Yes, correct. It was, you know what the interesting <laughs> thing is? I wouldn't swap it for the world. Yeah. Like, it was fun. I like, I, I learned so much about like myself and I, I was, I had like a mohawk shaved sides. I had like, leopard print kind of extensions in my hair. I was crazy wild child for that couple of years and it, you know, let me to, led me to meet awesome people and learn things and I, I would never swap anything. I, I loved that part of my life. I um, I, I did, I, I heard about raves when I was a kid. I was quite a straight kid. I didn't know, I didn't know where to get speed from. I didn't know where to get any drugs from except weed and so when I went to raves, I was just like, well, this is interesting. You know, I just kind of stayed up. I didn't yeah. even drink, I don't even think. Yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even drink. It took me a long time to figure out to take drugs at those things. Really? <laughs> I th- feel like, like, obviously, like, I'm all into health and nutrition and everything now, but I think, like, though, like being a youngster and being kind of in that, like, party scene and part of that world, obviously it's part of it. And I think, like, part of, like, growing up and it's a bit of a rite of passage to kind of, like, I know that, like, I've, I've obviously dabbled when I was younger and... Sure, I wouldn't go near it with a 10-foot pole nowadays. Yeah. But, like, I don't regret having had those experiences because mm. it teaches you, oh, actually, it's not, it's not all it's hammed up to be. No. You know? It really, it, goodness gracious, it is. It's not really, <laughs> oh, God. We're talking about it. We're out on this, uh, oh, where were we yesterday? <laughs> How can I, because it's a bachelor thing. How can I say it without giving anything away? you got to be um, stealth. We were somewhere <laughs> where a lot of uh, bucks parties happens, a lot of bachelor right. parties happens, and I spoke to the lady that ran it yeah. and I said, uh, this is a bit different for you then, isn't it? She goes, yep. 
I said, so what, it's normally just blokes let off the leash and just going smashing bags? He goes, yep. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> oh, wow, my idea of like a hen's night is like, Go to like a tree house and do yoga <laughs> and face masks and like. Yeah, but look, when you're 19 and, yes. you're, and you're Lauren Heaven and you've got the Mohawk <laughs> and the, you know, the cute DJ from the other room's interested in you and la 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 la, and then it's Friday night and suddenly it's Tuesday morning and you don't know whose house you're at. You know? You, did that, you painted that picture very well then. Uh, I was there, you know, I, I, I've been there. So, at, at, but unfortunately for me, it took me until I was 36 to go, you know what, I'm really going to have to fucking stop drinking because this is bad, um, which I'm grateful that I did. Uh, but at what point did you – because clearly something happened. Yeah. Did, was it that partying that went – you eventually went, you know, I'm starting to feel pretty shit. This is not spirulina balls for lunch. It, it wasn't actually that. Do you know what it was? Uh, I fell in love with the cute DJ, like yeah. what you just um, mentioned, and he was my DJ teacher. And I remember we moved in together and it was first love. It was awesome. And I remember he was a producer as well, so he'd produce his music that he would play and I would watch him and I'd be like, wow, you've got such passion for what you do. And I, I remember saying I don't I don't have that when I, play, when I DJ. Like it's fun and... It's like, yeah, you get free drinks. Like I, I didn't I just thought it was a fun vibe to be part of. And I would watch him and he'd like see music as a journey. And that's probably why I really respect and love music so much nowadays. And I said, one day I want to find my fire, like my passion the way you have. And he always said, You will. I know you will. And that's when I just started all of a sudden I just started like really listening to my intuition. I started reading about superfoods and that, you know, parts of blueberries could cross your blood-brain barrier and broccoli works on the sulfation pathway of your liver. And I was just getting – and I was like, this is it. This is my calling. This is what wow. I love. And that's – it all started actually. So I, that's why I've got to be really grateful for the DJing because it brought yeah. someone into my life that was quite a catalyst for a turning point for me and, you know, like it, it just kind of – How old there. were you when you found that? Eight, eight, 18, 19, 19. Far I only DJed for like a year. But that's pretty lucky to find that when you're 19. Yeah. That's pretty bloody lucky. You can feel it in your heart. Like that sounds really hippie and woo-woo, but you can feel it in your heart when you're doing the right thing and you're living your truth, I believe. Yeah. I, 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 complete, I completely agree. But, yeah. but was it on a – so as you started to explore this kind of thing, was it a case of – well, I can't really be crossing the blood-brain barrier with blueberries if I'm also trying to cross the blood-brain barrier with other things. So <laughs> I think blueberries might win. Was it that kind of... Do you know of- what? Honestly, even though I was a DJ and a party animal and whatnot, I could probably tell you the amount of times I'd done drugs on one hand mm. to this day. So even though I was always out and I was a drinker and all that kind of thing, I never, I never took it too far any time because... Right. So for me it was just like a natural progression and I still kept DJing and I just I would literally make spirulina shakes before I go out and DJ and I you know and like my boyfriend at the time would still be DJing I'd have his little detox shot waiting for him when he got home like I was such a nerd I wow. still am a nerd but yeah and I'd take B vitamins beforehand if I was going to drink to prevent like a hangover I used to do that yeah yeah so good I used to also say I can count the amount of times I've done a particular drug on one hand and I go and then I'd I can count the number of times I've done that drug on two hands and then I started running out of hands. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's all part of everyone's journey. Yeah. And I think that's why I never – I don't really – I think everyone goes through certain things for a certain reason and yeah. I, I think it kind of but, makes But, you know, you as long are. as you know the risks and you understand, yeah. you know, you go to these things with your eyes open. Yeah. I, I don't mean to get you hung up on drugs. I'm not trying to make you say no. I did drugs. I'm not saying any of that. I just, you know <laughs> – I just think it's a very different scene. And so if you're DJing with spirulina shakes and da 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 da, so pretty soon you figured out, you know, there may be a better place for me to 
explore this? Yes, yeah, so I, I enrolled <laughs> into uni, but like I, I was so scared I wouldn't be smart enough to do a Bachelor of Health Science. Wow. So, but you went ahead and enrolled anyway. Yeah, and failed my first subject, 31%. <laughs> wow. Failed well. So I just, and I just, I remember I woke up one morning and I was like, it was literally one of those moments and I was like, ping, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do, Steve Owen of Fruits and Veggies. And I was totally inspired by the way, I used to love watching Sunday Night, I'd watch it when I was younger, I'd watch his show and I was like, this guy is so passionate about animal conservation and I, it's rare to see nowadays like that kind of passion and that authentic enthusiasm and I always just looked up to him so much. And Steve Irwin? Yeah, and to this day if I'm ever having like a crappy day and it definitely happens and I'll just be like where's the Steve Irwin DVDs, like I'll get it or I'll look at him on YouTube and it's just for me he's just that authentic enthusiasm for what he does and you can tell that he doesn't get too much bogged down in the other stuff and he's my... Ultimate, ultimate, ultimate number one. Like more people would expect me to say Jamie Oliver, who I think is amazing, by the way, but like... Because people don't really think Steve Irwin and nutrition. Not at all. And when I said to people I want to be the Steve Irwin of fruits and veggies, people go, what are you going to do, wrestle broccoli and would pay me out, right? And I got three jobs saved up, bought a video camera and I'd just talk to camera every morning. I'd be like, these oats are like intestinal broom. You know, and I'd, I'd talk to camera and I was rubbish on camera, so unconfident and not good at all and I just kept practising and practising and practising. Where did you put that footage? It's still on YouTube and, and I called it a brockumentary. So if you look up Lollaberry brockumentary, it will still be there somewhere. Wow. <laughs> that is so wonderful. Oh, I did so much stuff that has never been out there. But I filmed McDonald's burgers for eight months every day and to see if they'd change and did rant. And it doesn't change, by the way. It just goes hard and yeah, gets a bit smaller. It's pretty odd. Nothing yeah. grows on it. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty strange. But I love that you every day. And pe- people ask me a lot, so how do I do what you do? I'm like... Like, and to be honest, that's how I started in television. I just bought a camera. Yeah. I just bought a camera and started filming stuff. And this is before, pretty much before there was even ADSLs, when there was still dial-up and 56K was, wow. All right. So I was just making VHSs and sending it to my girlfriend. So awesome. But I was talking to a camera every single day, every single day. So when it came time for me to make my audition tape for Channel V, I had, I was putting all the radio stuff, the four years of radio stuff that I knew into you know, the stuff that I was doing. And people ask all the time, so I'm going, how did you do this job on TV? I said, well, you just just shit for a long time. And you've got to be okay with that. I must say the biggest thing that I've learned in working in media would be people go, how do you not get nervous anymore? I'm like, because I'm definitely going to stuff up. Like I know I will stuff up. I'll drop a line. I won't read an autocue or something or I'll forget what I meant to say and that's okay. Yeah. And I think stop care, like what we were saying at the start, like, I've just turned 30 and I don't really care so much about what people think because I know what I'm doing in my heart feels real. Mm. And even when I'm working where there's a bit more pressure on or filming, I just go, I'm probably going to stuff up but I don't care. Yeah. I know, it's kind of quite liberating. But then the thing that you, I guess when you like that, let me see if I can put it into my experience. Um, In my experience, I cared about stuffing up when... To be honest, it's easier to do when you've got a bit of momentum behind you because if you stuff up when nobody knows you, that's what people will judge you on. But if you stuff up when you're 10 years in, people will be like, okay, oh, he's got it. He'll yeah. be right. He'll be right the next take. Yeah. All right? And so totally. it is easier to stuff up uh, later in your career, which is why you've got to do a lot of stuffing up when not a lot yeah, of people yeah. are watching. Yeah. 
This is good. You're teaching me. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. And I say it all the time. And people go, oh, you know, because I'm grateful. I'm doing radio at the moment. People yeah. go, how do I get into on radio? It's like, well, you've, you kind of should have started a podcast six months ago. Yeah. And you've got to be talking with your mate and you've got to be doing a show every week and you've got to show that you can produce it and edit it and make good content and – because there's no way you're getting a job on radio if you haven't already got a couple of hundred hours worth of stuff already. It's I not going to happen. Yeah, and I think so much hard work goes in behind the scenes for any, like I think yeah. any anyone that's successful or anyone that's kind of like living their dream, so, yeah. so to speak, I think there's a lot of like blood, sweat and tears that go on behind the scene <laughs> that nobody hears about. Yeah, just like, well, we'll just put it in a sport analogy, all right? You're not just going to turn up yeah. to the airport and go, all right, I'm coming to Rio, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of the athletics yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've learned how to tie my shoelaces and I can run in 100 yeah. metres in a straight line, put me in there. I'm like, yeah, where's the 15 straight years of work that you've done to get you here? Like exactly. if you put the sport analogy into it, it makes complete sense. And I guess the same as – that was what I guess the same as, yeah. as, as media. Uh, so when you became – how were you – once the DJ thing kind of went away and you're yeah. starting to – you said you worked three jobs – to get the money coming yeah, in. What yeah. were those jobs? So um, I was working at a health food store slash smoothie bar. Okay, good, handy. Yep. Yeah, delicious as yeah, well. Yeah, but also, hmm, experiments. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And access to pretty good equipment. Oh, and produce. It was yeah, all yeah. organic, which and it's I no, was It's no about. sunbeam that it just falls apart the moment the, you throw a kale stalk. Vitamixes, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was waitressing at a restaurant and then um, I, a friend of mine had a cleaning business and I was cleaning toilets, especially when I found out I got an audition in LA and they're like, you've got three weeks to get here. And I was like, how am I going to get the money? And I was working on morning TV, a show called 9am with David and Kim, which is like an... Yeah, channel. I think channel mm-hmm. ten or not. I get all confused now. What was the what? job you're doing there? Just a segment, like a segment girl. So I'd do once a week. I'd be uh-huh. there, like a little health, you know, uh-huh. talk about like you know some random. How did you thing. even get that job? Cold call. Get out. Yeah, we just called up and said we. So I had a business partner at the time, Oscar, and he would film. So I started making webisodes, like you were saying, uh-huh. get your podcast going if you want to get into yeah. radio. So I started making short little episodes, put them on YouTube, made them free. This is. Back in the day, though, like this is MySpace time. This isn't Facebook, what didn't exist. Yeah. No Twitter, no Insta to help you along the way. It was. Had Google bought YouTube at this point? I have no what idea. What year was it? I would have been 20, 21. So Google would have just bought YouTube. Okay. Okay. And so we So filmed, Oscar would film it. And Oscar would film edit it, edit it, edit and, it. And put it up. And we called it um, Lola Berry's Fruits and Roots and people thought I was filming a porno when I would rock up to film at farms and whatnot. Excellent. So we quickly changed that name after two series and we just filmed little short little three-minute episodes about like garlic and why it's good for you basically. Put them all up online, made it free for people and we just noticed that we were getting cool feedback from all over the world and so we cold called um, the morning show on Channel 10 and said there's this young female nutritionists wanting to spread a cool health message online and they're like, yeah, all right, we'll put her on. So I went on for one a one-off segment and as soon as they called cut, they're like, can we sign you? And that's how it started. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You got to – the, the TV career is not going to come to you. People aren't going to knock down your door and ask you to come and host the next show. Oh, and I've been dropped a gazillion times since then, by the way. It wasn't oh, yeah. like that moment was like, boom, everything was amazing. Like I got picked up and then dropped and then picked up and then like – and I still do to this day. Yeah. That, but the, the key is, and like I think I'm doing uh, one, two, three. I'm only uh, uh, this, radio, telly. I've done this. I'm doing four jobs today. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes you get dropped. 
Yeah. And so if you get dropped from one, you go, oh, I've got three jobs still. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. In this business, yeah. there's nothing that's solid. No. Well, that's, I'm so stoked you call call. Yeah. I got Because that's how I got my radio job. That's how I got my Channel V job. Awesome. I just sent a, just a tape in, sent a letter in. Yeah. Said, you need me. You, you just don't take know the it plunge, yet. yeah. You don't know it yet, but you need me. Oh, and, and I think at the end of the day it just takes that one chance. You just need that one chance and yeah. then if you've done the hard work, the proof is in the pudding, don't yeah. you reckon? Oh, what's his name? He's on Shark Tank. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. I used to work for him. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Access TV uh, is where I worked for him. Uh, da, 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 da. Fuck, I forget. But he's, he's got this great book. I remember it. Uh, it says you only, have to, you only have to be right once. Yeah. It says you only have to be right once. All right, and and you were right to get Oscar on board. Yeah. You were right to be like, I'm just going to do this, yeah. even though it's not great. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And if you if you say you look back on it, you're embarrassed. That's great because it yeah. means you've come so far. Yeah. Which is sick. Yeah. But even then, I guess you were starting to build an audience that would still be with you. I'm hoping. Absolutely. Like I've built probably. I really do work with social media and online, and I'm. I'm I feel like a lot of people, if I do book signings or anything like that, people will be like, I remember you from the circle days. I remember you from, which is quite a while ago now because yeah. I, yeah, well, I'm 30 now so I've been doing it for a fair chunk of time. And yeah. it's really nice when people feel like they're kind of part of the journey, which is why I really try uh, and, I'm never, and I know I'm never going to impress everybody but I do try to be quite um, transparent when in like in interviews, in social media, like and I know I'm never going to get it right and I'm going to, piss people off, that's the end of the day. But mm. the reality is, I don't know, I just think if you're real and you're honest, people can connect to that and I, I'd like to think that's why that people hopefully have. And I think what you're describing is ex- is exactly the thing that I'm trying to do with this show and I'm trying to do more and more in, in taking the essence of this show into the more mainstream things that I do in that when I look at what's happening in mainstream media and the things that do connect, it's authenticity that connects. Yeah. All right? That's what connects. The days of being the talking head that reads the auto cue and then goes back to the trailer are just gone. Yeah. All right? If you don't know what you're talking about and you're not prepared to have an authentic connection over the mic or down the camera, why does anybody want to watch you? Mm-hmm. All right? And, and that's it. And, and the authenticity is for me, I'm, you know, I've said it before on this show, this life's too short to not be authentic. Yeah. You know, if you... People are giving you an hour. People are giving me an hour of their time right now to listen to what you and I are talking about. There's precious time that could be getting paid for. They could be being with their kids. They could be doing whatever. So the least I can do is be real. Is, is to be real. Yeah. And and try and make people feel like they're sitting here at this table with 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 you and I, and that you struck upon that as that the thing that works for you, and that you are brave enough and comfortable enough to do that because not everybody's comfortable enough to do that, and that's fine. That's that's very fortunate that you found that quite early. I I feel like it's the only way I could ever live, though. I don't yeah. feel like I could have an, another. I mean, and I'm sure it's bitten me in the bum a few times from for being so straight down the line or saying if something's not mm. cool. But I just I couldn't live any other way. I, I can tell when, and I think we all innately, if you're in, in tune with yourself, can tell when you meet someone. You get that feeling straight away if mm. they're the real McCoy or if they're kind of living. There's a smoke screen going on, and that's yeah. okay. That might just be where they're at at that stage yeah. in their life, but. It's taught me to really kind of back myself as well and I think if I'm being real and I believe in what I'm doing, then the right people are going to follow and the ones that that doesn't resonate with aren't and that's okay as well. So I don't know, it just to me it just makes perfect sense and it's the only option really. 
when did when did you figure out that backing yourself was the way? I reckon pretty like I've definitely had. I wouldn't say like I've had been sturdy and really like on point with backing myself the whole way along. But like even to believe in myself enough to go, yeah, I'm going to be like Stephen on fruits and veggies and everyone's like, I remember um, my whole family, my boyfriend's family, like do not take a loan out, do not take a loan out. And I was like, that's the only way I can pay a film crew, which is was so expensive back then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I remember I walked into Commonwealth Bank, sorry, Commonwealth Bank, uh, and, I, and I said, hey, I need a loan. And they said, what for? And I said, uni textbooks. Don't ever lie to the bank, but I did in that case. And I, I took this loan out. I think it was only like, I don't know, th- three grand or something. And I used it all on filming the first ever series of Fruits and Roots. And that was the one moment where every single person I knew was saying, do not take the risk. And I was like, I got this, I'm going to do it. And worst case scenario, I'll pay it off. You know, like I just, it didn't worry me. It took, it's funny because I kept um, borrowing on that loan. Like just over the years I'd put more money in and then I'd use the loan again to go overseas and on my 30th birthday I paid it off. Hey! So, but you know what I mean? How like, big was it in the end? Oh, I think it got up to, it wasn't that bad. I only got up to like 20000 or something. And then it's I just, not like, worse than a credit card. Yeah, yeah. I had them too, but yes. <laughs> but that's, but that, that you had that. So that worked out. But when has that not worked out? I think it's important for people to understand that it doesn't always work out. Absolutely. So like a failure situation yeah, yeah. with backing yourself. Mm. Um, this one was a failure but it kind of I feel like it turned into a positive after. As long as you fail forward, it's okay. Exactly. I was working that smoothie bar I told you I was yeah. working at. I was working morning TV at the same time. So uh, I remember... I was making smoothies and this nutritionist that I'd looked up to for quite a long time came in. I'd done her cooking class about, oh, I don't know, like a year before. Oh, no, a couple of years before because that was right before I started studying. And she came in and I was a bit starstruck and I said, oh, hey, you're so-and-so. I want you to know I did your your cooking class and it was a great – and now, I, now I'm a nutritionist. It was really inspiring to me. And she looked me dead in the face and she goes – I know you. And I said, no, you and I never met. I never I never came to your cooking class. Like I never met you at the front. I was at the back of the room and it was like 100 people in the room. And she goes, no, no, I know you. You're that girl off morning TV. And I go, yeah, 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 that's me. And she goes, you are a disgrace to the nutrition industry. And I was like, I just said, thanks for your opinion. I'll pass it on. But in that moment I felt like I'd failed. 
And she goes, how could anybody take you seriously for the way you dress? Because I dressed like I would wear Connie's little Converse. Like I'd wear, I looked a bit like Cindy Lauper. I'd have big bows in my hair and bright outfits just because that was me and that's what felt right for me. And she goes, you need to be wearing a suit because nobody can take you seriously. Like down, the, like straight to me, there's five people lined up for smoothies and I was like, just don't, do not cry, Lola, do not cry, do not cry. And I just said to her, thank you again. I'll make sure I pass that on. I served the five other people, shut the door, ran at the back and bawled my eyes out. And in that moment I felt like I'd failed. I was like, man, I'm a disgrace to the nutrition industry. Maybe maybe I, I, I don't look right. Maybe I don't. And I really like second-guessed myself. And I called Oscar up and I said, who was my business partner, and I, called, and I said, oh, my God, this has just happened. And he goes, Lola, that person is just jealous of you. You need to learn to believe in yourself. And that was a real turning point where I just was like, ah, I've just got to back myself more. But I, at the time, it felt like a fail. I, it absolutely felt like a fail. Well, of course, because you wanted her approval and you yeah. wanted... And I looked up to her, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing, whenever I run into her when I'm in Melbourne, Lola, hey, runs up to me and gives me a hug. <laughs> I'm like, man, oh, man. But that comes back to that realness and that authenticity where I just go, hey, good to see you. And I just go on my merry way. But goodness, come considering your exposure now... That must pale in significance to some of the attacks that have come upon you. Yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. I mean, um, at the end of last year, I got ripped to shreds. So I bought a diet plan out that was called Stop Being a Fat Bitch. And it was something that I've called myself many a time over the years. I've been really open about going through eating disorders and whatnot. And sometimes, yeah, I'm just really hard on myself to this day. And so I thought a name like that would have a bit of cut through because, and I, I, the reason why I did it was I thought it's not okay that we as women do talk to ourselves like that and it's mm. something that I would absolutely do say to myself. And it said, on an, and it was called Stop Being a Fat Bitch and it's How to Change Your Mental Dialogue and Achieve Your Health Results was that. Says it on the front. No one saw that. But that's okay. Ah. Like, you know, but that's okay. And I'm actually, to be completely honest with you, I would say that's probably been the highlight of my career or one of them. Because it taught me who has my back and it taught me who doesn't. It was almost like when you've got books out and you're considered to be this perception of successful and it's imagine like everyone wants to be your friend and then it's like someone turns the light on and cockroaches just go running. Do you know what I mean? Wow. I could tell you on one hand how many people were there for me. The drug counting hand or the other (laughs) hand? The one with the extra extra fingers because my drug counting hand had about (laughs) many fingers by the time I was done with it. But that was honestly, I'm yeah. so grateful for that. Yeah, right. s- it, it would be, I feel so lucky that that happened to me because I it gave me a moment of going, you know what? And I wouldn't, obviously, I agree. I totally apologize for doing a really controversial name and hurting people and offending people. Um, and And even though it was just sharing my own thoughts, I am so grateful that I got to learn how quickly, like, I got called, the things I got called, I don't know how much I can swear on this. Hey, I've I've said fucking cunt twice. Oh, great. Okay. I got called, the words I got called on social media was, so there was a hashtag bin the berry where people would put photos of my books in the bin and take photos. Hey, you know what? They've already paid for them, so fuck them. (laughs) Yeah, like publicity, slut, whore, cunt, um, fucking fucking bulimic, ice addict. I don't even know how to take ice. I know it's a really dumb thing to say, but like I got called, go back to DJing, you drug pig. Like ah, this stuff, ah. and it was just like all, and it's like, 
And it was just, and like then, then there's these articles getting written about me saying that career suicide, and and I just kind of had to sit in it and go, okay, okay, I've just got to be okay with a lot of people don't like me right now. And it was honestly the coolest lesson of my life. One of did the diet plan work? I I made it unavailable within. 48 hours. You pulled it. Yeah, so I lost like 20 grand in making it. It was a beautiful ebook. It was so beautiful. Like it was just a name that was controversial. The rest of it was really uh, floaty and Lola. You can't you know? relabel it. Um, I just I want to give it a new I want to give it time to just yeah. and just out of respect for other people I work with, I would rather just kind of like just let that have a rest yeah. and go to sleep for a while. Oh, my it's a pity that people uh, do you think you being, uh, how do I? Because considering the nature of some of the things that you were called, yeah. do you think you being a woman had anything to do with some of the viciousness? It's interesting. A few people have said that is the case to me, but for me, all in all honesty, all it felt like was like my entire career. I've just felt like I've just shared my story and just shared yeah. it, and hopefully, maybe that inspires one person to go out and buy a bag of macadamia nuts instead of a Mars bar one day. Job done, wrapped. And at that moment, I was like, "Wow, it's so amazing that this community that I felt like I was a big part of could so easily kind of like mm. turn on me." So I don't know if that I have never really put too much thought into it. If okay. But I, I've, a few people have said that. I was that's just, I was just, you know, yeah. I was just kind of, was kind of interested because, yeah, you know, we just see it a fair bit. You mentioned, you mentioned the circle before, and um, my, my friend Yumi got just destroyed. Yeah, it's completely racist and completely sexist, and it's just so. It's like the, it's almost like I can't remember whose line it is. I think it's Joe Rogan has this line. It goes, "There's a portion of society that is sitting on the start line." With the clutch out, with the revs as high as they can, waiting for the green light to yeah. drop the clutch yeah, and yeah, go yeah, into yeah, outrage yeah. as fast as fucking yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And There's a theory that in the health world, the online health world, that they're just kind of waiting, and because it's a very populated world, yeah. like there's so many of us out there, and yeah. and I, I think the more the merrier. Like it's a cool message to be spreading, but I, I feel like there was a lot. It's almost like people were waiting for something for you to yeah. stuff up and really like. And yeah. it didn't take long for articles to come out about me comparing me to other health people that had done things that weren't good. And I was just like, okay, like I, I had no control over. Get them that. all. You get them all in here, and I'll ask every one of those people if they've ever stood in front of the mirror and called themselves that. Yeah. All right. That's, let's, let's do you know how real. the name came up? Like I haven't actually said this, but so Oscar, that same one we filmed with, um, he was my business partner. He's my roommate today, so we've been mates for literally years and years. And we came up with this four-week diet plan. He's like, well, you know, he's like, just to feel better and just to feel good about yourself. And we had it. We put so much work into it. And one day he came home from work and he goes, what are we going to call it? And I'd overeaten that day. I'd overindulged or had something and I go, oh, I'd love to call it Stop Being a Fat Bitch because that's how I feel right now. And he goes, bing. Perfect. And I said, no way, no way, no way. Yeah. And he goes, then a light needs to be shone on the way that females talk to themselves. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Like sometimes, um, you know, Audrey, uh, once every, I don't know, shall we say 28 days? Yeah. Uh, she's <laughs> like, there's only one thing that's going to make this better, the kernel. Like, that's <laughs> it. I need the chicken. <laughs> and I hear some of the things that she says about herself. I'm like, would you let me walk into this room and call you what you just called yourself? You would probably pack your shit and leave. Yeah. And I don't know if people understand that your subconscious can't tell the difference. Yeah. Really can't tell the difference. Yeah. Between that kind of self-hate and someone else, 
So it doesn't it doesn't matter that that's what you know. Oh, it's, you would it's, never say it to your best friend, or no, anyone you cared about. Never so ever. yeah, that that was the whole idea behind it. Yeah, just yeah, about yeah. kind of like exposing, calling yourself that, and then learning how to change your mental thought because it is like yeah. I, all I know is I can never get um, weight loss results if I'm not happy ever. Yeah. Because I'm upset, all I want to do is feel better and eat chocolate generally and yeah. then call myself fat and then eat more chocolate. It becomes a cycle, right? Yeah. Whereas if I'm happy and I'm like honouring myself and doing yoga and nurturing myself, I don't even need to think about weight loss because my body just comes straight back into balance. Yeah. So I think when you're when, – I think happiness is a key player, which is obviously something I write a lot about. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, it didn't – that one was a big failure but one that I'm so grateful for. So the – even someone who is high profile as you, putting yourself out there saying this is, you know, how I've found food to make me, you know, feel good and I feel better about it. Even someone like that, you do have days where you're like, oh, chocolate, chicken. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was in Melbourne and I was eating like I, I'm a friend of mine opened a health bar and I was eating like raw Snickers and, oh, I love it. But then now I think again since turning – 30, like up and in my 20s, I was at all or nothing, like crazy exercise, I overtrain and probably under eat and then do the polar opposite. And that's like the history of having eating disorders and whatnot. And the theory is if you've had anorexia, it can take seven to 10 years to really come good. And so that's why, like, it was kind of a bit of a roller coaster of really feeling healthy and then yeah. taking that to an extreme and then kind of like taking the unhealthy stuff to an extreme. Whereas, now I'm just kind of like, if I want to have a treat, I'll have a bloody treat and I'll really enjoy it for what it is. And yeah. I do love the mindful eating philosophy where you, you, you share it with someone you care about, you enjoy the meal and you savour every mouthful of it. You mean it. I can't just eat a food, a meal in a bowl so I don't have to look down while I watch Netflix and not even know how it tasted? <laughs> I'm not all for that. I'm not all for that at all. Even though I know most people live that way. I I like play certain music when I'm cooking and I sit down, I thank my food. I'm a bit of a hippie, I'm not no, going to no, lie. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. You, you've mentioned it uh, twice now, so I am going to ask you about it. What would you like people to know? Well, okay, well, what's the biggest misconception that people have about anorexia? Uh, I think it gets swept under the rug a lot because it is, uh, you know, the mental health and I think mental health is that kind of like umbrella of like, ooh, we don't really touch that. It's oh, like, not on know. this show, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like I mean as in like the public's perception. Yeah. And I think... Because I, I let me just say this because the, the, the vibe I get is that much like someone, uh, somebody who doesn't know may look at someone who's depressed and go, it's a sunny, shiny day. Just fucking feel better, mate. Yeah. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. Just feel better. Yeah. Uh, is it a similar thing with someone, just eat a sandwich. Yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's tricky because the reality is every single person is different and mm. it affects different people in different ways and there's obviously you've got anorexia, you've got bulimia, you've got disordered eating which can be, you know, calorie restriction and then binge eating. Binge eating is massive and if you have anorexia, often the – the path out of anorexia is through binge eating. That's how you start to find um, balance. I remember I was on a shoot and someone said, gee, you're too skinny, you look disgusting and you've got to shoot in two weeks, eat quick and I just binge for two weeks to get my weight up for that shoot. But that's what had started a bit of a roller coaster for me. So as far as like is that I don't think there's any like you know, if someone's anorexic there can be so many different like causes, there can be so many different reasons. I think the best advice that I feel like I could share is that I got so much help. 
I got yeah. so I got so much help. I was seeing psychs, I was seeing holistic naturopaths, I was seeing counselors and you know, I know I know I can feel when my insecurities come back and when I notice mm. if I, you know, sneak an extra run in or something where I'll, and I'll be like, "Oh, like and I'll just go and get go check in and just like talk it out and then I just go, "Oh, it's back to balance." Right. And I think you start to realize for me it's like it actually comes back to a bit more self-love and like loving who I am and going you know what, like I can't think, I used to, when I was younger, when it was probably more, when it was much, it was more consuming to me. I don't think, I don't know, I think with eating stuff, like I now enjoy everything. Like I'm a, I am a foodie. That first boyfriend's dad that opened the door and said she's an eater. Like I am. I love cooking. I love eating. I love sharing food. Good food though. I know if I was in a situation where I was eating like junk food, I may well feel really guilty about that after and, yeah. you know, really try and eat only greens the next day or something like that. I could still easily fall into something like that. But I think when I was younger, I associated my worth on my appearance. And like if I ever went through a breakup, I'd be like, oh, it's because I'm not pretty enough. Like that would be kind of like my natural kind of response. And I used to think that I, I had this thing where I remember a friend of mine was really, he was awesome. His name was Charlie. And he knew that I was going through a rough patch and I was literally, I did one one day, one time when I did 10 days on water only and then I would just binge for two days on like the most unhealthiest foods I could get my hands on. And I remember he just, he saw me and I was still practising as a nutritionist and he came and he hugged me and he just goes, darling, we've got to get you sorted. And I moved in, for, in with him for three months, breakfast, lunch and dinner with him. He cooked for me, he dropped me at work. He'd pick me up at lunchtime, take me home, cook me lunch, go running with me in the morning. And he really taught me the kind of like values of when you honour who you are and you actually love who you are as a person. Mm. And I remember he was this gorgeous guy and we would walk through Paran Market in Melbourne together to buy our salmon. And I used to think as I was walking through Paran Market, oh, my God, everyone's looking, thinking that this really ugly girl is walking around with this really good-looking guy. That was what was going through my mind. And he would sit with me at night and be like, you are pretty and you need to know that. And it took me so long to even feel confident enough to feel Mm. like a pretty girl. So for me it was very much about self-worth. But I Mm. know that every every person's story is completely different. But the best thing I did was be open to help and know that there is light because the – the mortality rate is really, really high. For anorexia? Yes. Yeah, because yeah, of your heart. I remember I had an event at um, Crown Crown Casino and you know how you got to go up those massive stairs? Yeah. And I, I was walking up the stairs with my friend and I started to get heart palpitations. And it was because I couldn't get up this because my heart was working so hard oh. in this little skinny, yucky body. Wow. <laughs> I think the only, the only other person that I remember, um, uh, uh, Daniel Johns, the guy from Silverchair, yeah. he went through a whole thing yeah. there and I remember because I you know, had the chance to interview him a bunch yeah. of times throughout his career and I remember him passing through that. I remember it wasn't – I didn't interview him when he told but I remember reading an interview about him saying that it was a control thing for him. Yes. Do you relate to that? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So I think there's often um, a correlation when you've got no control in one part of your life, you'll try to take it from somewhere else. There's also a really high correlation with um, – uh, sexual abuse and then because you've got no con- – and that was my history as well. And so because I didn't have control in another part of my life, the food was something that I could have control of and that was something that I knew that – I knew the answers to that, whereas everything else felt like it was kind of falling apart. So absolutely I think that um, it is definitely about control and the, the correlation between those two is something like one in two, one in three. It's really high. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear no, that. 
if, of if people are listening, though, I don't know. You know, don't worry. I'll put a trigger warning at the start. Oh, of this. sorry. No, I no, no. It's fine. I, no, it's totally fine. So I'll put a trigger warning at the start. Um, if somebody is listening and they do relate to anything you've just said, what would you say to them? Oh, like get help. Like, and don't be afraid to ask for help because you can feel really alone and you can feel like you're. I know I felt it was my fault. I really blamed a lot on me, mm. and I think at the end of the day. You know, you know in your heart, and I just, I just, I got, I got really a lot of help, and the people that have helped me along the way, are still the people that have got my back when shit hits the fan in my career as well, mm. you know. And the light goes on, and they're all still there. They're always no. still there. They don't go anywhere, you know. And they're the ones that are there when I have gone through the crazy eating disorders for, you know, and that takes long time to come out of. I think, yeah, my advice would be just like, don't be afraid to ask for help, and and the people that have got your back, you're like. I feel so grateful and so mm. lucky. And this might sound really messed up and warped. I don't regret anything that's happened to me. Yeah, that's okay. Because it's brought me like my strength mm. and it's brought me self-belief and it's brought me, I think, that authentic, that being real and like not beating around the bush. And but if, not, but if, you, if you work with those people and you do the work, it gets better. Absolutely, yeah. In my experience, but at the time when you're—I mean, I can only talk about from my own experience. But when and the depth of it, you think, oh, this is how it's going to be forever. Yeah, 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 (laughs) totally. You can't see the out of it. You can't see outside of it. Yeah, and you think that that you think that there's not an answer, and Hmm. that that it's there's the answers are really really bad, and and, you know, and you don't (laughs) really want to be here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that's why I say to you, like, I I think that. Obviously, horrible things happen to a lot of people. No. But if you look back, if I look back at them, man, like there's a reason that that even went on for the other person that was involved. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there's there's a bigger picture to it all. Holy fuck! That you can have that compassion. Uh, I'm if I I don't know. I just feel really grateful for everything that's happened to me. That is an ext- extraordinary stance to take to have that I compassion. Know. I know it's the only way I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal, Lola. That's a really, really big deal. Thank you, I guess. No, no, really, because it's one thing to have compassion for yourself and yes, it wasn't my fault. I didn't have a say in it and da 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 da. But to then don't correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. But are you saying that clearly something was going on in that person's life for it to happen as well? Yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. That's a that's a humongous leap and it's a big one. Um, a lot of people wouldn't be prepared to take that leap. But I think also every situation is different and uh, I, I'm i not saying that my situation is like anybody else's. So, mm. like, I know that they're... No, 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 of course, yeah, of course, so, of course. For me, I just think far, far out, like, fuck, shit, bad shit happens to a lot of people. Everyone. Yeah, everyone. And I just think I'm really lucky that I'm sitting here in front of you now, you know. (laughs) Like I feel really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that I get to do what I love. Mm. And I think that the really uncomfortable moments and the really big failures are the moments that actually give you, make you who you are. And, yeah, I don't regret anything that's happened to me. What do do you do when you see young women that might, be on a path that resembles a path you were on. Do you 
say anything. You go, I can save you five years here, kid. <laughs> it's funny. So when I practice nutrition, I uh, they say like attracts like. All the eating disorder cases will always come to me. And the second I see that... I um, refer straight away because that's not – I can help with dietary stuff. I'm not here and I'm definitely not qualified to help people that are going through an eating disorder. Yes, I've been through one and, yes, I can be compassionate to that and, and show empathy to it, but I absolutely am not qualified to be dealing with it. So what I'll always do is I'll find a practitioner that can work with me and we'll work together. But often it involves referral and I will often say, you're actually not even ready to talk food yet, go and talk the other stuff. Uh, and for me as well, when I was practising, I found it was a really big trigger for me as well because I was hearing about how girls would, you know, buy a piece of salmon and, and can get like four meals out of a piece of salmon and, and you know, it, it's it's old old habits, you know, because it is a control, often a controlling yeah. and balancing out and you know exactly what you when need. When you hear your words. story told by somebody else... Like, yeah. I thought I was so special. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I would always refer, and that's why I say uh, to people, and I'm really open, like, I had so much help. I tried different counsellors, different psychs, and it can take a while to find the mm. right fit. Like, and, and I'll say give it four, got four sessions before you. And, and one thing I would have loved someone to say to me, it's not going to happen with a click of your fingers. It's not going to happen overnight. You'll have awesome weeks, and then you'll have really, really crappy ones where, you're forced to question your worth again and you want to revert back to that. So get help and be, and, and be honest and never be ashamed of who you are. So let's say, for example, this week, this this week we're in April, it's 2016. Yeah. Let's say you have uh, two shitty days in a row. Yeah. What what do you go back to? What's, your, what's the action you take to go, okay, I know how to stop because if I don't stop this, number three is going to come up, then number four, then we're going to keep going. Correct. It's going to snowball. What do you do to stop that and arrest that? What do you, what, where do you fall back to? What's your safety position? Straight away I give back to myself. So normally I'll either get out in nature and just like just try and just like reset. I, like, it, like I'll jump off. I don't know if you meant to, but I jump off the North Bondi Rock sometimes. Yeah. I think you're allowed to? Well, you, well, you just got to time on, it right, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it depends on how much you like, you know, massive <laughs> rocks, rock barnacle scrapes across your whole body. <laughs> I've done that once. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad. Flat rock. Are we talking about flat rock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, when the swell's <laughs> up, that can be a horrible, it's a cheese grater. But if it works, right, yeah. you just jump into the ocean and for that moment your mind is in the present moment. It's like I love this quote from a book called The Peaceful Warrior and it's what time is it now? Where are you here? What are you this moment? And for me, when I'm jumping off those rocks, I'm not thinking about the deal I just lost or that someone doesn't like the way I look. I'm thinking about, oh, my God, I'm going to jump in the water. <laughs> like I'm in the water right now at this moment. I feel like a mermaid, which is one of my other passions to feel like a mermaid. Anyway, so I, I'll give back to myself. Yoga for me is awesome. It's, mm. I, I also teach yoga and I say yoga is the gift I give myself but share with others. So yoga always sorts me out. So if I have a stressful meeting and I've, already had one of them today. Um, I just went straight to yoga and was like, all right, let's get some perspective on this. And then I'll watch a Steve Irwin doco, which I'll probably watch tonight just because we've been talking about him so much. <laughs> you go back to Steve. I love him, yeah. 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 I've got literally like so I go to I Love His Zoo and I've got like pictures of me with like binturongs, which are these kind of like half bear, half cat things on my wall in my room. Like, And anyone that comes over is like, what is on your wall? Is that pictures of you with bears? And then I've got like crystals everywhere and, you know. So those, those three things help you 
get, get perspective. Get perspective. Absolutely. Uh, it's really cool. It's, it's really good. I think it's important weird. for everybody. No, 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 it's not weird at all. But I think it's really important for everybody to have that plan, you know. Yeah. I've also heard, and, and I'm not lying to tell you that I've done it, uh, clear-headed me writes a letter to not clear-headed me. Yeah, nice. Clear-headed me goes, you're in a great relationship. You've yeah. got, you know, four jobs that are incredible. Uh, yes, you're working very hard, but, you know, you know, you, you do this and do that and do this and do that. And, and to be honest, this person's here to help you and that person's here to help you and blah, 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 blah. And so when not clear-headed me is in not clear-headed me, I can read that and go, ah, when my brain was working properly, yeah. I wrote this. Yeah. It's in my handwriting. Yeah. It must be true. Even though my brain right now is telling me mm, it's all a lie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a good one, isn't it? It's kind of like that affirmation and, and almost like how you manifest by writing it. Like I know um, if I ever go through a breakup, I write down all the things I value in a, in a partner. Yeah. And I'll write down like, you know, I value real love and sense of humour and, you know, someone that loves animals and all that. And I write it down and I know that that's what I want to. And it's that same thing because when you go through a breakup, you're like, oh, I just want to feel good again. And I'll go back and like. Yeah. And. It's the same thing. It's like it's writing. It's like a clear, succinct message to yourself that's completely not clouded by yeah. any other kind of crapola. That you can look at and go, oh, I wrote that when I was feeling better. Yeah. Therefore, it's true. Yes. And I'll just have to go with it. Even Trust. though every part of my brain's telling me it's not, I'm just going to just have to deal with it. Just, yeah. just have to go with it. Um, I've taken you already for an hour um, and I, I've got to get to set. So I also, I don't want to, is that okay if I have 10 more minutes? Yeah, of course. Is that okay? Okay, yeah, okay, course, cool, cool, cool. Um, so you've written six books? Yes. Yes. And two ebooks? No ebooks. Well, the one ebook was the, um, the program that got okay, pulled okay. down. Yeah. Six books, one, okay. Yeah. Humongous effort. <laughs> That's astonishing. Thank you. Um, What's when you do have because I'm fascinated by people's work process. You're obviously a very, very busy human being, but books come with things like deadlines and release yes. dates and stuff like that. What's your writing day like when you're on a writing day? Uh, okay, so What's the routine it's quite different depending on what. So, with when I write books, I write recipes, health recipes, and then I write cool spiritual stuff like living your truth, getting out in nature, all the stuff that like sings to my heart, right. So there's a different format for writing each. Recipes, I normally am in the kitchen with laptop out, trying things, testing. I'm like a mad scientist. I normally put like five kilos on when I recipe test because I'm eating like double extra food. It but tastes your, good. But your day is today I'm in the kitchen. Totally. And I will do a massive – and that normally goes for two weeks. So I'll recipe test and write recipes for two weeks. And that's specific, just recipes. Then I'll send them off to get them tested uh, and then they go to the – the publishers with the the spiritual and the um heart I call it like the heart stuff I love that so much it's less scientific for me it's more just I just let that flow and so that'll be like I'll get up go for a nature walk have my smoothie sit down and just write what comes and if I feel like I need a break I'll go and do yoga it's really holistic that side is really just that said I had a deadline last week because I've just written my next one and the deadline, I was in Melbourne at the same time doing other work and so I was like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to get this deadline? And I woke up in the middle of the night so worried that I wouldn't get this deadline done and I was like, I can't sleep. I was like, I may as well write. And so I wrote till 4.30 in the morning. I rarely do that because it's obviously not healthy with melatonin and it's good to have a good night's sleep but I was just like something's got to give. You've just got to, you've got to steal a night's sleep in order to do it. And yeah. So that happened with 
the last book that I've just written now. But normally I, the the spiritual stuff is a really beautiful process and the, the recipe stuff stresses me out a little bit more because I, I my brain isn't super scientific. I love coming up with the ideas, the recipes, but the actual like measurements and stuff like that is pff, that's hard for me. But you've got people to do that. That's fine. Yeah. Outsourcing. Yeah, I know. I love I love knowing what everything tastes like. Yeah, in the no book. one can be an expert at everything. It's fine. That's true. Thank it's you. Totally, it's totally fine. What do you do when the words aren't there? Do you just sit down and type? Or do you just uh, go for a walk? I probably walk or yoga. Yeah. I listen. I'm I am still obsessed with music, so like there's certain music. So I'll listen to certain types of music when I'm writing, like stuff to put your brain in those delta brain waves. Uh, so like a lot of classical, or I'll go like more like Chet Fakery, or like I'll go really kind of like I'll find stuff that's I'm obsessed at the moment. With this dude called Lo Fang, and it's really kind of like right. chill. And I can write. I can write really. I'm straight Mozart. That. Really straight Mozart every time. It makes a difference. Adagios, hey? yeah. So straight good. Mozart or straight Adagios. <gasps> so I said. Or that or uh, Philip Glass. I don't know Philip Glass. Philip Glass and Michael Nyman. Michael Nyman wrote the music for the film Piano. That's the thing yes. he's most famous for. Well, yes. He's one of the, the minimalist composer. <gasps> yeah, okay. It's pretty rad. I'm learning so much from you. Thank you. <sighs> no, I'm loving this. Uh, you are one of the, I guess, the newer generation. Of, you're 12 years younger than I am. You're the newer generation of uh, on-camera people who are getting paid to be who they are. I I kind of did start that because I was just the kid who was nuts about music that ended up on Channel V. So I was being paid to be who I was, yeah. okay? But you are being paid not only to be who you are but what you know the most about, okay? Um However, you are also one of the new generation of on-camera and uh, on-media people who is an entity unto herself who if all television networks ceased today, you probably still would be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that really fascinating. I find that really, really fascinating that you are, uh, you know, you're this, this new wave of, of what it is to be in uh, a, a, a profile on, on – on, on mainstream media that you have this thing that drives you and you just do it and I'm going to assume you'd do it if it didn't pay the bills. You'd do it anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like live my, like you mean with social media and always be creating content and stuff like that, is that what you mean? It's just everything, yeah. like the food stuff, everything. Yeah, I mean I, I for me I feel like it's everything that I do is just an extension of who I am and what I would be doing mm. anyway. And I think I feel like so, people say to me like you don't. It doesn't seem like you take holidays because I'll be always working on them. But it's to me, it's not work. It's just doing what I love. I get where you're coming from with how yeah in media. If I'm hired to do a segment or an interview, it's as me talking about. Sure, nutrition and health, but it's often talking about and the most common things I get asked and when I do, you'd think the most common thing I get asked is what to eat for breakfast, right? The most common thing I get asked is like about like failure, is about, um, you know, social media would be my number one question, more so than What's how a Snapchat? Ma- yes. I love Snapchat. Yours is great, by the way. Thank you for saying so. I love, I love Snapchat. It's my new thing at the moment. But I just feel like... I'm really lucky that I get to share my real story and and mm. what I'm doing and I've learned that over the years you kind of almost have to be okay to kind of like mold and and yeah. and you know like I didn't know how to use Snapchat at the start I was the same as everyone else I didn't know how to use Insta like 6 years ago however long it's been out I don't know you know and it's just I just have always been okay with 
going with the flow. And you know what? There are heaps of other health people out there that have got gazillion more followers than I do on Instagram or whatever. Mm. But I just feel like I've constantly just kind of like had this kind of like slow, kind mm. of like steady. Do you think? Do you slow. think the market expects that kind of authentic and give everything relationship with their um, personalities it's so now? So fascinating because. To be honest with you, social media, I love being just me and saying who I am, but there is so much pressure from outside sources. Like I'll do a shoot and people will be like, oh, can you tag that that designer? Can you tag that person? Can you tag that? And that's fine. Like I'm really happy to do that. But like it's like are you hiring me for this shoot because you genuinely want to shoot with me? No, they're hiring you because they want you to tag their thing to your Correct. followers. Correct. So there is that line that happened. Yeah. And, that happened. sometimes I must admit I like – I got an email this morning going, oh, hey, you haven't tagged so-and-so in this recipe photo. And I'm like, well, I'm really sorry. I didn't even – it was like a, a, an element of the photo and I, I didn't even know. And and so I, it's funny. Everyone's got all these expectations on you now mm. that, you, that, that you're going – and I'm known as um, – uh, Lauren, my manager, who I know you know, she goes, Lola, you're too nice. <laughs> you're too nice in all your social media. She goes, you thank everyone. Yeah. You thank your makeup person. They're still getting paid a lot of money. She's like, you, yeah. get, you thank every single person. Don't diminish the value of, of if you tag everyone, tagging someone becomes valueless. Correct. Don't give away what someone's thank willing you. to pay for. Correct. It's super important. Same what goes with your story. Don't sell part of your story for free. Only say it when there's value to be saying it because that that, so that rewards me. both people, yes. okay? Then yeah. you just don't become that person who's willing to, you know, yeah. put their feet on the stirrups and show the world everything. Yes, yes. You know, and what it diminishes the value of when you do open up and do share about things that uh-huh. are extraordinarily personal to you. The interesting thing about what you're doing though, when I started, there was most definitely a template and a set path for my career mm-hmm. and, in fact, I'm still, I'm still on it. You are of a generation who are just like, well, I guess we'll just make up how we do business. <laughs> I guess we'll just make up where the income comes from. We'll just see how this goes. Do you feel that? Do you feel that yeah, you're kind of making absolutely. it up as you go along? Oh, it, I've just, I feel like I've been kind of watching it all transform. As far as monetizing all this mm-hmm. stuff, I guess, you know? Yeah, so like I'm pretty transparent and clear. So I obviously make money from books, books selling books. So that's very specific and yeah. that's a, um, that would be a template. Yeah. Uh, but things like uh, if I work with a company, um, Often it's written into a company, okay, well, we're going to sign you on to be a brand ambassador for the next three months for X amount of dollars, but in that we need X amount of posts. Mm -hmm. So that was never written into uh, any agreement two years ago even. No, that didn't exist five years ago. Yeah. No one knew what that was. I'll put money on Snapchat. It's going to start getting ringing into all my contracts for sure because I know how many views and screen grabs things are getting. So it's... I'm just okay with moulding, but, yes, as far as, like, is there a method to this... Not really, I guess. I think, yeah. I mean, for me, it's funny. The one thing I've always wanted since I've ever started was to host my to host a um, cooking health show, right? And it's never happened. I've always been told I'm not strong enough to tell it. Frankie, she's telling us her dreams. Be quiet. <laughs> Frankie's just so cute, though. He's a little bastard. But, but the then he looks at you ever. and he goes, he's like the bad boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, if you weren't <laughs> so good at. Thank you. Yeah. So you always wanted to host a cooking show. And it never every time I do it, I'm a segment girl and whatnot. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting that and that's a very specific formula as well. Like you get to a certain level, people will invest in you and you get to have that show. So that's something that I'm still absolutely working on. Yeah. But there's such a different method to it. And the interesting thing is now, if and when that comes into life, 
that may get less views than one simple Instagram photo I could put up on the same day. How crazy is that, it's right? It's so nuts. And for what production cost? Do you know what I mean? You don't have to lie to the bank for that one, do you? Yeah, so it's, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. That's why now I just, I'm really okay yeah. with my... I was just going to say, but that yes, that Snapchat or that Instagram photo may get more views, but off the back of the cooking, you can't go and do a national tour selling thousand-seater conference rooms for cook, two-day cooking seminars off the back of a Snapchat photo, but you can off the back of a TV show. True, but I get booked for big seminars through so, through social media. So you do. You know, yeah. like I, so I will, I tour and I speak as probably my next form it. of income. I love it. I love, obviously you can tell I love but speaking. I, but I, what I love is that because there was no mould or no yeah. path for you to follow, you can create it around you exactly how you want it and you can find ways to monetize what you're doing. Yes. It may not be for as much as an old way of doing it, but it does yeah. allow you to stay true to who you are and stay on your path. Absolutely. Which is a freaking incredible thing about where our business is going. Yeah. But you got to be prepared to be shit for ages. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ages and ages and, you've and gotta, ages. And you've, you've got to have something that people want to know about. Yeah. And that's it. And I think being that, being just that real, just real, like mm. I think – I know we say that, that that it is something that's highly valued at the moment. I think that's because it is still reasonably rare to really see people for who they are. Mm. I'm not saying people need to share their Everything. inner life. No, no, but I think I know, I, like I feel a connection to someone if I feel like I can connect to their world. Yeah. And so I, I think being honest and real is very, very powerful. I'm so grateful you came over, Lola. Thanks for having Thank me. For I this. could talk to you all day. This is great. I could talk to you all day too. <laughs> Alas, there's a bunch of bachelorettes that I've got to go and tell some bad news to. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. That's my job. I drop him so Batchy doesn't have to. Oh, I keep out. him as being the bad guy. I'm the bad guy and that's fine. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it it's sounds so fun. Much, it's so much. It's so seen yesterday. Oh, so much fun. Um <laughs> I'm gonna to have to go. We could we'll do we'll do part two another time, maybe. Yes, please. Okay, cool. I'm gonna take your photo real quick, and then we'll yeah. get out of here. Awesome. All right, thanks, Lola. That was Lola Berry. Find her on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and wherever social media is found at Y-U-M-M-O-L-O-L-A-B-E-R-R-R-Y. Yummo Lola Berry. Thank you, everybody that supported the show on uh, patreon.com slash osher. Thank you very, very, very much. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get access to exclusive episodes and support the show and help me make better episodes and greater episodes and more episodes and regular episodes. I'm going to leave you with some Prince. Yep. Uh, it's one of my favorite Prince songs ever. Uh, you probably know it already. It was Sinead O'Connor's probably most familiar hit. However, the version I'm going to play you is nothing short of heartbreaking because it's sung as a duet, as one partner singing to another. And both of them lamenting that the relationship is over. Every time I hear it, I'm covered in goosebumps and my bottom lip starts to quiver and I get taken back to every breakup I've ever had because I tend to listen to it after every breakup I ever have. <laughs> it's sung as a duet, like I said, with Rosie Gaines, who's uh, one of the singers that worked with Prince for many, many years. It's the greatest breakup song ever written. So I hope you enjoy it. And until I speak to you next week, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.
videos and games. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 